Book Three, Chapter Nineteen of Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. Chapter Nineteen, The Whole Story. The men laid their mother's body with those of the generations that had gone before her beneath the long grass in their country churchyard near Rotherden. A dreary place, one accustomed to trim cemeteries and sentimental wreaths, would call it. To Falconer's mind, so friendly to the forsaken dust, because it lapped it in sweet oblivion. They returned to the dreary house, and after a simple meal such as both had used to partake of in their boyhood, they sat by the fire. Andrew in his mother's chair, Robert in the same chair in which he had learned his salust and written his versions. Andrew sat for a while gazing into the fire, and Robert sat watching his face, where in the last few months a little feeble fatherhood had begun to dawn. It was their father that Granny used to sit every day, sometimes looking in the fire for hours, thinking about you, I know, Robert said at length. Andrew stirred uneasily in his chair. How do you know that? he asked. If there was one thing I could be sure of, it was when Granny was thinking about you, father. Who wouldn't have known it, father, when her lips were pressed together as if she had some dreadful pain to bear, and her eyes were looking away through the fire, so far away, and I would speak to her three times before she would answer. She lived only to think about God and you, father. God and you came very close together in her mind. Since ever I can remember almost, the thought of you was just the one thing in this house. Then Robert began at the beginning of his memory, and told his father all that he could remember. When he came to speak about his solitary musings in the garret, he said, and long before he reached this part he had relapsed into his mother tongue, "'Come and look at the place, father. I want to see it again myself.' He rose. His father yielded and followed him. Robert got a candle in the kitchen, and the two big men climbed the little narrow stair and stood in the little sky of the house, where the heads almost touched the ceiling. "'I sat upon the floor there,' said Robert, "'and thought and thought what I would do to get ye, father, "'and what I would do with ye when I had gotten ye. "'I would great whiles cause other laddies had a father, and I had none. "'And there's where I found Mamma's box with the letter in it. "'Her own picker. "'Granny gave me that one of you, "'and there's where I used to kneel doing and pray to God.' and he's heard my prayers and granny's prayers and here ye are with me at last instead of thinking about ye i have your own self come father i want to say a word of thanks to god for hearing my prayer he took the old man's hand led him to the bedside and kneeled with him there my reader can hardly avoid thinking it was a poor sad triumph that robert had after all how the dreams of the boy had dwindled in settling down into the reality he had his father it was true but what a father and how little he had him. But this was not the end, and Robert always believed that the end must be the greater in proportion to the distance it was removed, to give time for its true fulfillment. And when he prayed aloud beside his father, I doubt not that his thanksgiving and his hope were equal. The prayer over, he took his father's hand and led him down again to the little parlour, and they took their seats again by the fire, and Robert began again and again, and went on with his story, not omitting the parts belonging to Mary St. John and Eric Erickson. When he came to tell how he had encountered him in the deserted factory, "'Look here, father, here's the mark of the cut,' he said, 
parting the thick hair on the top of his head. His father hid his face in his hands. It was not muckle of a blow that ye gived me, father, he went on, but I fell against the grade, and that was what did it. And I never tellt onybody, nay even Miss St. John, who plastered it up who I had gotten it. And I did not mean to say anything about it, but I wanted to tell you a queer dream, such a queer dream it guard me dream this same night. As he told the dream, his father suddenly grew attentive, and before he had finished looked almost scared, but he said nothing. When he came to relate his grandmother's behavior after having discovered that the papers relating to the factory were gone, he hid his face in his hands once more. He told him how Granny had mourned and wept over him, from the time when he heard her praying aloud as he crept through her room at night to their last talk together after Dr. Anderson's death. He set forth as he could in the simplest language the agony of her soul over her lost son. He told him then about Erickson and Dr. Anderson, and how good they had been to him, at last of Dr. Anderson's request that he would do something for him in India. "'Will you go on with me, father?' he asked. "'I'll never leave ye again, Robert, my boy,' he answered. "'I have been a bad man and a bad father, and now I give myself up to you to make the best of me ye can. I dare not leave ye, Robert.' Pray to God to take care of ye, Father. He'll do anything for ye if you'll only let him. I will, Robert. I was myself dreadful miserable for a while, Robert resumed, for I could not see or hear God at all, but God heard me, and let me ken that he was there, and that all was right. I was just like when a Barney wakens up and cries out, thinking it's alone, and through the murk comes the word of the mother of it, saying, I'm here, crater, do not great. And I came to believe that he would make you a good man at last. Oh, father, it's been my dream walking and sleeping to have ye back to me and granny and mamma and the father of us all, and Jesus Christ that's done anything for us. And knew ye mount pray to God, father. Ye will pray to God to hold the grip of ye. Will not ye, father? I will, I will, Robert. But I've been an awful sinner. I believe I was the death of your mother, laddie. Some fount of memory was open, some tide of old tenderness gushed up in his heart. At some window of the past, the face of his dead wife looked in. The old man broke into a great cry and sobbed and wept bitterly. Robert said no more, but wept with him. Henceforward, the father clung to his son like a child. The heart of Falconer turned to his father in heaven with speechless thanksgiving. The ideal of his dream was beginning to dawn, and his life was newborn. It did not take Robert long to arrange his grandmother's little affairs. He had already made up his mind about her house and furniture. He rang the bell one morning for Betty. "'Have ye any cellar laid up, Betty?' "'Aye, I have fifteen pound in the savings bank.' "'And what do you think of doing?' I'll get a bit roomy and take in washing. Well, I'll tell you what I would like you to do. You know Mistress Elshender. Find that, and a very decent body she is. Well, if you like, you can hold this hoose and all that's in it, just as it is till the day of your death, and you'll I keep it in order and the gal room ready for me at any time I may happen to come in upon ye in want of a night's quarters. But I would like ye, if ye have nay objections, to take Mistress Elshender to bide with ye. She's turning some frail new, and I'm under a great obligation to her, Sandy, you know. 
ay well that he learnt he to fiddle robert i humbly beg your pardon sir mr robert nay offence betty i assure you ye have been i good to me and i thank ye heartily betty could not stand this her apron went up to her eyes eh sir she sobbed ye was i a good lad except when i spake of muckledrum betty she laughed and sobbed together weel ye'll take mistress elshender in will not ye i'll do that sir and i'll try to do my best with her she can help ye you know with your washing and sich like she's a hard-working woman sir she would do that weel and when you're in ony want of siller just write to me and if anything should happen to me you know write to mr gordon a friend of mine there's his address in london eh sir but ye are kind god bless you for all she could bear no more and left the room crying everything settled at rotherden he returned to bodyfall the most welcome greeting he had ever received in his life lay in the shine of his father's eyes when he entered the room where he sat with miss lammy the next day they left for london End, chapter nineteen